And we're going to go to the book of Galatians chapter 5 tonight, Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to begin reading at verse 1. I want to continue where we were on Sunday morning talking about freedom, and we said on Sunday morning that God wants you to be free. God has desired for his children to live and walk in complete freedom. All the days of their life. Comenzamos el domingo hablamos sobre la libertad y esta tarde quiero continuar ese uh, hilo de, de mensaje hablando sobre la libertad porque la libertad es la herencia de los hijos de Dios y Dios quiere que todos caminemos en libertad. God wants us all to walk in liberty. In Galatians chapter 5, begin reading at verse uh, one, and we'll read down to verse 6 tonight. It tells us, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will, not, uh, will be of no benefit to you. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. You have been severed from Christ. You who are seeking to be justified by law, you are fallen from grace. But we through the Spirit by faith are waiting for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith working through love. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight. For the word of God, which is a powerful seed full of potential. We pray that the seed of the word will land into the good soil of our hearts tonight. And bring about the fruitfulness of 30, 60, and 100 fold. We ask also that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God. And I ask you to speak to us each in the unique way that we need to hear from you tonight. We ask that in Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Somebody say freedom. Listen to what verse 1 says there. I want you to really think about this because this is a, a tremendous promise that God has given to each of you and to each of us. It says, it was for freedom that Christ set you free. I want to dispel you of any idea or any uh, notion that you might think that Jesus died on the cross and saved you just so you could keep the way you are. That's not the doctrine of the Bible. Jesus died on the cross to make you free and so that you could live in freedom. Jesús no murió en la cruz para salvarte y luego dejarte como estabas, sino que murió en la cruz para darte perfe perfe uh, perfecta y perpetua libertad. Entonces, este pasaje de la Escritura es uh, importante para nosotros reconocer que fue para esto. Y él dice, fue para la libertad que Jesús os te ha hecho libre, párate firme, no pierdas tu libertad. So he says to the Galatians, it was for freedom that Christ set you free. Keep therefore standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. And so this implies that there is a tendency, if the believer is not careful, to go back into slavery if they're not a walking in the a liberty that Christ has purchased for them. 
And so tonight I want us to deal with that for a few moments. But before I get into the heart of that, I want you to see a, a couple of other things in the text here. All right, in verse 5, we have a, a phrase that we hear sometimes. Uh, sorry, verse uh, 4, we have a phrase that we use sometimes, that we hear sometimes, the phrase, fallen from grace. Ever heard that phrase? Uh, ahí en el verso 4 tenemos una frase que a veces usamos, que es la frase, que ha caído de la gracia. And many times we think falling from grace means that you have sinned. Algunos piensan que caer de gracia significa que ha pecado. Well, that's really not what the text means. If it did, then we'd all be falling from grace all the time because we've all sinned, haven't we? Uh, el texto ha caído de gracia no refiere a una persona que ha pecado. Uh, porque si ese fuera el, el uh, asunto en todos, entonces todos estuviéramos caído de gracia porque todos hemos pecado. Lo que sí significa esta frase, what this phrase does mean, is that you were saved by grace. Say that with me, I was saved by grace. And if you were saved by grace, that means you were not saved on the basis of your own efforts. Can you say amen to that? El ser salvo por gracia significa que no fuimos salvos por nuestro propio esfuerzo. We were saved by the grace of God, the unmerited favor of God. Fuimos salvos por el favor inmerecido de Dios. However, when you, you're saved by grace, but then you start trying to live according to your own effort, the spiritual life, by your own effort, by your own strength, that's when you have fallen from grace. Because you're no longer depending on grace, you're now depending on your self-effort. Si una persona es, ha sido salva por gracia, pero luego comienza a querer a depender de su propio esfuerzo para la santificación de su vida, ahora esa persona ha caído de la gracia. Porque ya no está dependiendo de la gracia, está dependiendo de su propio esfuerzo. Anyone that is trying to be saved or live a, a, a victorious Christian life outside of the grace of God, is by definition fallen from grace. Cualquier persona que está queriendo ser salvo o vivir la vida victoriosa del cristiano fuera de la gracia de Dios está viviendo bajo de la gracia. Por eso dice Pablo que ha caído de la gracia. Now, I want to explain that. Now, in verse 5, there's something else I want you to notice. And it says that it's through the Spirit. Say that with me, through the Spirit. Ahora en el verso 5 hay otra frase que quiero que usted note y es que dice que es por el Espíritu. Freedom comes through the Spirit. La libertad viene por el Espíritu, a través del de Espíritu. The Bible says that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Dice la Escritura que donde está el Espíritu de Dios, ahí hay libertad. And so if you ever need liberty... What you need most is the Spirit of God. Si usted algún día se encuentra necesitando libertad, entonces lo que usted más necesita es el Espíritu de Dios. When you are uh, discovering or finding yourself in a yoke of bondage, you need to find uh, the Spirit of God. You need to get into the presence of God. Si usted está combatiendo con una uh, atadura del enemigo, usted tiene que buscar la presencia del Espíritu Santo. Apart from the Spirit, you can't be free. Aparte del Espíritu Santo, no hay libertad. There is no liberty in 
in just having knowledge. There's no liberty in just having experience. There's no liberty in just having good strategies. Liberty is found in the presence of God. La libertad está en la presencia de Dios. And so this liberty that Paul is talking to the Galatians about is found through the Spirit. Say it again, through the Spirit. Now we find another uh, important uh, thing here in verse 6. It says that uh, in Christ there is neither circumcision nor uncircumcision. Uh, and if you don't really know what those two words mean, Paul refers to the circumcision as the Jews and the uncircumcision as the Gentiles. He's saying that in Christ there's neither Jew or Gentile. That means God doesn't make a difference between people. And he doesn't say, I'm going to save the Jews and not save the Gentiles. I'm going to save the Gentiles, not save the Jews. There's no difference with God uh, between Jew or Gentile. He says Jew or Gentile means nothing with God. The only thing that counts is what? What does the text say? Faith working through love. What's the only thing that counts? Uh, let's try that again. What's the only thing that counts? Listen, if you get caught up in, in comparison between this group and that group and that church and this church and this race and that race, you've missed the point. Because with God, the only thing that counts is faith working through love. That means that you're going to receive freedom and you're going to walk in freedom through the Spirit by faith. Usted va a recibir libertad y caminar en libertad por el Espíritu a través de la fe. And this faith has to operate through love. La fe opera a través de el amor. And, and uh, I don't have a lot of time to explain that tonight, but let me, just, let me just put it like this. The greater you have a revelation of the love of God, the more faith will be in your life. Entre más usted tiene una revelación del amor de Dios, usted va a tener más fe. People who think God is angry at them, mad at them, hates them, don't have a lot of faith. They have a lot of religion. They don't have a lot of faith. Because faith operates through love. And when you walk in the knowledge of the fact God loves me, do you walk in that knowledge? You have to understand and know God loves me. How do I know that? Because he said it in his word. And he proved it through the cross. God loves me. And when I walk in that revelation, that knowledge, then I have faith in my life. Because I can come to a God who loves me. And I already know that I'm going to get what I have to request from him because he's already proven his love to me when he gave me Jesus. And if the Bible says if God gave you his son, he will also with him freely give you all things. So if God loves you and he proved his love through giving you Jesus, what else won't he give you? He's already given you the whole inventory of heaven's uh, goodness and grace. So what is going on in this text? Well, the, the Galatian church was a church that started out having a lot of confidence in the grace of God. But slowly, the religious Jewish people uh, started to come in and, and tell the, the new converts and tell the Christians who weren't so new, who had been walking with the Lord for a while. They began to tell them, look, if you really want to be a Christian, you have to abide by the Jewish rules and rituals. You have to go back to the law of, of the Old Testament. And this began to become a stumbling block to people because they started to think, well, if I have to practice the old rituals, the old traditions, 
of the Jewish people, then uh, what is the point of the cross? What is the point of grace? And, and, and many of them stopped growing spiritually because they started trying to do the works of the law in order to make themselves right with God. And here's what Paul was saying to them. You have fallen from grace because you're depending on the law of Moses to save you and to free you and not the spirit of God. And this, this evening, the same is true for us. God wants you to walk according to his spirit, according to his word, so that you can have his freedom, so that you can enjoy every day of your life the freedom of God in your heart and in your life. And if you will, if you will live by the spirit and walk by the spirit, you'll enjoy that freedom. But if you start trying to live by the old system or the old religious uh, model of, of the law of Moses, you're going, to, you're going to trip. And not only the law of Moses, but any, any self-made system that is not of the Spirit of God is bondage. And so tonight we're going to look at some of the ways that the enemy gains uh, footholds in the lives of people, of believers in particularly. In particular, and we're going to see how those footholds can be broken in the name of Jesus because it was for freedom that Christ set you free. Esta noche vamos a ver algunas formas que el enemigo usa para ganar o, o atar al pueblo de Dios y vamos a ver, a ver la forma que Dios usa para traer libertad. How many of you want freedom? How many of you need freedom? All right, how many of you have freedom? Everybody should say amen, all right? Because everybody has freedom. Whether you use it or not is up to you. Everybody has access to freedom in Christ. But there are some things that give the enemy an opportunity in our life. And I want to address those first. So let's talk about what are some doorways that lead to bondage. ¿Cuáles son algunas de las puertas que nos llevan a la atadura. Here's what I uh, have discovered and why I feel like the Lord wants me to share this with you. If we talk about freedom all the time and you come to the altar and someone lays hands on you and you get free, you get delivered, but then you go back and you practice the same things you were doing that got you bound in the first place, then you're going to need to come back, let somebody lay hands on you again and get freed all over again because you are in a cycle. And so if you, and as a believer, as a mature believer, can discover what are the patterns or the doors that lead to bondage, then you can shut those doors so that you don't return to bondage. Say amen, somebody. So it's just as important to know what leads to bondage so you can avoid it. And when you're free, so that you can avoid going back to that bondage again in your life. This is what the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 17. I'm sorry, that's uh, the, the passage I quoted before. I want you to notice what the scripture says regarding this. It tells us not to allow the sun to go down on our anger. Okay, you've heard that, right? Why? He says, because if you do that, it will become a doorway for the devil. So you and I want to be careful. That's uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 26. Not to give the devil an opportunity. The devil is a thief. He'll take as many opportunities as he can. And so you don't really need 
to be giving him any shots, all right? He's going to be taking as many as he can anyway. But we want to make sure that we don't give him opportunity to come against us in uh, our life. And I mentioned four ways that the enemy uh, takes advantage of us uh, in, on Sunday morning. I'm going to mention them quickly. I don't have the time to reteach them. But I want you to see these are, are ways that the enemy uses. Iniquities, inner vows, judgments, and unforgiveness. I want to deal with a few more tonight. All right? So the first doorway that the enemy uses to obtain a foothold in someone's life is sin. When you, as a believer, knowingly practice a sin, you are opening the door to the devil. Uh, la primer puerta que el enemigo usa para atar al cristiano es el pecado. Y si usted como cristiano... Uh, actúa en pecado, usted le está abriendo la puerta a Satanás. Now, we all fall into sin sometimes. But the Bible says that to him who knows to do right and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. So when you knowingly go and practice something that God has forbidden, you are opening a door to the oppression and to the bondage of the devil. The second way that the door is open to the devil, I mentioned Sunday, but I mentioned again, is iniquity. These are, these are distortions and uh, patterns of distortion that exist in families, usually passed down from our parents. And uh, these things become patterns of living in families. And uh, I want you to think about this word distortion, because what is a distortion? The enemy will come and he'll, he'll build a pattern in a family that's a distortion of something good. So he'll take something good and he'll make it, he'll, he'll twist it and make it a, a sin or he'll make it a bondage in somebody's life. And uh, you, you can think about something like this. The enemy will take sex and distort it and now it becomes a bondage in somebody's life. Or the enemy can take uh, words and distort them, twist them, and now they become a means of oppression or a means of hurting other people in your family. And families have these patterns so that some, uh, some families deal with iniquities like alcoholism or sexual abuse or verbal abuse or uh, bad temperaments or you deal with, with uh, divorce, chronic divorce in the family. And you notice the pattern and you say, why does this keep going in our family? Well, because the enemy has managed to gain a foothold in that family. And, and if you as a believer uh, don't recognize it, you might be walking in that same pattern of iniquity, which God has already given you authority and has given you victory over so that you can break the pattern of bondage in that, in that family. And I want you to think about this because you can, by, by walking by the Spirit, you can set new patterns in your life. Say amen, somebody. By walking by the Spirit, you can set new patterns for your children. So that now, you know, whereas maybe before when there was friction in the house, dad left and, and um, you know, mom did whatever and started to uh, isolate herself. And now if you, if you have that pattern going from one generation to the next to the next, 
You can be the generation that says, all right, now when we have friction, we're going to go talk to God about it. We're going to solve our problems. We're going to reconcile. We're going to forgive one another. We're going to be honest. We're going to express what we're feeling and what we're thinking. And now you've taken a distortion and you've brought it back into alignment with the will of God. And so the enemy uses that as a foothold. God wants you to use, uh, to, to put good patterns and good blueprints into your family. And the only way you can do that is through the Spirit. Say, through the Spirit. Now, number three, another uh, doorway that the enemy uses is chemical addiction. This is drugs. The devil will use drug use as a means of gaining um, control over a person's life. Now, I want, I want to just mention to you, I don't do this very often, but there's a Greek word in, uh, in the scripture that is used to describe witchcraft, all right? And the Bible talks about witchcraft in the New Testament using the Greek word pharmakia. That word pharmakia, you know, sound familiar to anybody? Sound like pharmacy, right? That's the word in the Bible that deals with drug use. So in the Bible... When someone was referring to witchcraft, they were including drugs. And what we've done in our culture is we've separated the two. But here's what I want you to understand. When you take drugs for a purpose other than medicine, you take drugs to stimulate your mind or to get, get some kind of high, you are inviting demonic spirits into your life. All right? That is why almost always, almost every time, that someone is addicted to drugs, they operate in the same patterns. Why is it that a drug addict from a rich household and a drug addict from the poor household do the same kinds of things? Why is it that one from the northeast United States and one from the southeast United States do the same things? It's the same demon. It's the same spirit at work. And so don't ever think, no, it's just a chemical. It's not just a chemical. It's a doorway for demonic activity in your life. And I have had this experience ever since my uh, age of 14 when my father would take me with him to pray for a house or to bless a home. We'd walk in and the hair would stand on the back of your neck, right? As the evil presence of something was in that house. And without fail, every time it's because there has been drug use going on in that house. And it is a, a door that the enemy uses even in the lives of Christians. And so I want you to be uh, aware of this uh, church, and I want to break uh, tonight, break this idea that you can do drugs and not have a spiritual problem with it, all right? It's going to destroy your life. It's going to destroy the lives of other people. And let me just mention to you this also. If you ever have some, some, uh, some legal medical um, drugs in your house that are left behind from somebody else who was using them, most often painkillers, that you no longer need, and now you think, well, look, here's a little bit of extra money. Okay, I want to tell you this, the devil's a liar. If you become a part of that, you are opening the door for demonic activity in somebody's life. Don't do it. A beevil is running wild with people who are addicted to drugs. And God forbid that any of his children be facilitating that. We need to be the ones shutting the door to the dominion of darkness and saying, this is as far as you go with Beville. Come on, somebody. Because it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Say amen, somebody. Don't get, don't get too nervous on me tonight, all right? I, I'm just mentioning what are the doors that can become 
doorways to the devil. Number four is the practice of the occult, occult activities. When you get involved in what we call today witchcraft of any form, that is an invitation to the devil. Otra de las formas que el enemigo usa para entrar es la hechicería. Listen, we don't go to witch doctors for healing. We don't go to witch doctors for information. We don't go to witch doctors to get after or to get uh, even with somebody because God has forbidden it in his word. It's demonic, occultic activity. Now, that's why we as a church, don't, we don't celebrate Halloween, all right? If you do, that's up to you, all right? I'm, gonna, I'm not picking on you tonight. I just want you to know we've, make it, we've taken a stand as a church to say we don't want anything to do with the, the kingdom of darkness. And we don't want anything to do with opening the door for the enemy to be able to come in and bring uh, oppression or bring possession to the life of anybody that, um, that we wouldn't want to be the one to open that door. Listen, Ouija boards or horoscopes or um, psychics, all of these things are occult practices. Listen, you don't have to talk to a psychic and you don't have to read anybody's, you don't have to read the stars to know what God wants for your life. You read the word of God and talk to the spirit of God and you'll walk in freedom. Come on, somebody. You don't need the dominion of darkness for that. And the enemy will use that if, if you'll give him that foothold. Now, a, a number of us don't have any problem with that because it's not a family thing. But many of you grew up with that. And so that's what you're used to. That's what you were taught. And uh, I want you to know that if you break that pattern, you can end the door of access for a lot of that uh, in your life. All right, number five is manipulation. The Bible tells us that manipulation is like witchcraft. When, when a person wants to control somebody else and control someone else's act actions or activities, that is a form of bondage. And that is a way that the enemy uses to get in. Otra de las formas que el enemigo usa es la manipulación. La manipulación es, uh, uh, en la Biblia es relatada a la hechicería. Now, uh, the Bible talks about a woman whose name was Jezebel, who was under this, uh, who had this uh, uh, way of operating through manipulation. La Biblia nos habla de la reina Jezabel, que uh, operaba a través de la manipulación. Uh, ever heard of the Jezebel spirit? ¿Cuántos han oído el espíritu de Jezabel? A lot of people think that Jezebel spirit means a woman that wears a lot of makeup, heavy makeup, all right? That's not what a Jezebel spirit is, okay? Don't, don't worry about that. Uh, if you see somebody wearing makeup, don't say, oh, that's a Jezebel, all right? They think, oh, Jezebel means somebody that wears uh, a short skirt. No, that's not a Jezebel. A Jezebel is somebody that tries to control and manipulate other people in order to get their way. And usually they'll use spiritual language to try to do it. And this is what, how a Jezebel operates. They'll say, you know, I heard what the pastor said, but really I think this is what the Lord is saying. Well, I heard what the sermon said, but really I think you got to do it like this. And they use a twisting and distorting of the truth to get you to do what they want. And God says, this is witchcraft. Because there's only one person God wants controlling you, and that's the Holy Spirit. Jesus is Lord. Say that tonight. Jesus is Lord. I told you a couple weeks ago, what does that mean? That means that Jesus is in control. 
So Jesus is the one that decides. You know, unfortunately, there are churches where the pastor tells you who you can date, who you're going to marry. Uh, you know, he tells you these, these controlling things in your life. This isn't, that's not Kingsway Church, all right? You can come to us for advice. You can come to the elders for advice. And we'll give you advice, and you walk out the door and do totally the opposite of what we recommended. We'll just keep right on praying for you, all right? But we're not going to call you and say, look, if you don't do it my way, this is what's going to happen. We're going to put you out of the church. You have the freedom to do whatever you want. You have the freedom to succeed according to the word of God, and you also have the freedom to fail. But it's up to you. We're not going to manipulate or control you. The only one who should have control of your life is the Holy Spirit. He's the one that calls the shots. And look, sometimes something looks bad, and the Holy Spirit says, you go, you go do that. It looks like it's a failure, but it's going to be a success. And if you listen to the Holy Spirit, you'll see that he can bring success out of things that look like they're impossible. And then sometimes something looks real good and real promising. The Holy Spirit says, don't touch that. And you said, but it's a sheer thing. God said, no, don't touch it. If you listen to the Holy Spirit, he'll, he'll keep you out of bad uh, situations, out of things that can be uh, a compromise to you or to your family. So don't let anyone control you or manipulate you. Some people try to control you or manipulate with their words or with sex or with pleasures or with money. Or they'll use whatever they can. And those things become bondage in your life. Uh, that God has not designed or desired for you. Here's the last one I want to mention as far as doorways go, and that's false doctrine. Listen, every false doctrine has an evil spirit behind it. And you need to be careful with, um, with learning and hearing sound biblical doctrine. I know there is a, a lot of material online that you can read and you can listen to. Be sure that it's sound. Be sure that it's good, reliable Bible teaching. Because if it isn't, it's a doorway for the enemy to come in. And the, the, every evil spirit has a message that he teaches or that he preaches. And when you find a doctrine that permits sin or a doctrine that encourages you to, to sin, it's not of God. I can promise you that. Any doctrine that encourages you to sin is demonic. Say amen. The word of God tells us very clearly that the spirit of God is the one who leads us to righteousness. So any doctrine that leads you to unrighteousness is demonic. And the enemy right now is running rampant with the church because many in the church are getting doctrines from people who do not know the word of God or have distorted the word of God. I'll give you an example. One of the uh, one of the en enemies, or one of the uh, things we're watching or seeing happen in the church today is that people are using the Bible to find ways to allow them to sin. Uh, one, one person uh, uh, I heard about used the Bible to explain how you could do drugs and how you could uh, smoke marijuana. I about fell out in my lecture class when I heard that. I said, what? They said, yeah, it's in the Bible. And they read to me the verse that supposedly taught that they could do marijuana. And it's in the book of Genesis where the Bible says in, in the creation that the Lord said to Adam that he gave him all the green herbs. He said, well, the Lord gave me all the green herbs. This is not a joke, folks. This is a lie from the pits of darkness. And people are using the word of God to distort truth and lead men to sin. 
and lead men to evil. I'm here to tell you, any doctrine that permits you to sin or go against the word of God is demonic. And you need to be careful with that. Another thing we're noticing, we're learning or seeing right now is the people using the word of God to, to um, allow them to uh, or permit them to get tattoos or to do things to their body that God has forbidden. Listen, read the word of God. If God forbids it, you forbid it. If God says no, you say no. It, it, because if you don't, you're going against what he has revealed. And the outcome is going to be bondage in your life without, without fail. That's always the result. Sin leads to bondage. And false teaching leads to bondage. Why else would the enemy be so hard at work at, at, uh, at uh, teaching these false doctrines? Because he wants the church to be bound. Another one of the doctrines that the enemy is attacking right now is the doctrine of the tithe. Why is he doing that? Because he wants the church to be bound. He wants the church to be under financial oppression. God wants you to be free. And he wants you to be free so much. He gave you a, a Bible with 66 books, which if you will read them and obey them, will lead you to righteousness and to life. Say amen, somebody. They'll lead you to freedom. So walk. In the light of the word. All right now, there are four things that can hinder freedom or deliverance in a person's life. I just gave you the six doorways, or mentioned six and reminded you of four that I mentioned on Sunday. So that's a total of ten doorways that the enemy uses. But here are four hindrances to your deliverance. Have you ever wondered why some people don't get delivered? Uh, and I just want to explain this, because most of the time, especially among Pentecostals, we think if you go to the altar and get prayed for, uh, you're done. But here's the thing. you got to go to the altar and get prayed for, and then you got to keep praying. And you got to start practicing the, 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 the walking by the Spirit and practicing the, the life of prayer so that that freedom can take root in your life. Because you're not going to undo with two minutes at the altar what took you 20 years to do. The habits that have been formed that led to bondage can be broken in a moment. But if you're not, if you're not walking by the Spirit, you're going to return to those habits and to those ways of living and thinking. So I want you to look at these four hindrances, four roadblocks to deliverance or to freedom in a person's life. Here's the first one. Unforgiveness is a roadblock to freedom. Say that with me. Unforgiveness is a roadblock to freedom. I mentioned this on Sunday, but I have to mention it again because every time we get back to this issue, it is an, a strategy the enemy uses in order to keep people in bondage. Look at what unforgive, unforgiveness does. Unforgiveness separates us from God. Here's what God says. If you forgive your neighbor, I'll forgive you. That means if you don't forgive your neighbor, you can't have God's forgiveness. I know that's, that sounds real hard, but God says you can't do both. You can't enjoy my forgiveness and not forgive someone else. If you're going to walk by faith through love, that has to work and operate in forgiveness. Another thing that unforgiveness does is it blinds us to our own sins. When we walk in unforgiveness, we can't see someone else's sin. Just give you an example. If, if you find somebody to blame, and you want to you wanna say, well, the reason I'm the way I am is because of you. You no longer feel you're responsible for changing. Now they're the one that needs to change. 
And that's what unforgiveness does. It blinds you to your own problem and your own need. And it puts the problem on somebody else. Well, my parents, if my parents had raised me different, or if I had been raised in the better side of the town, or if my teachers had been better, and by, by doing that, you're blaming somebody else. You're blind to the own need of your own life. And unforgiveness does that to you. The next thing unforgiveness does is it fuels bitterness and resentment. When you don't forgive, it's fueling. It's, it's like putting logs in a fire. And you're fueling bitterness and, un, and resentment, which is only going to lead to greater bitterness in your life. And then uh, uh, unforgiveness generates failure in your life. When you refuse to forgive, you are actually producing failure in your life. Because rather than moving forward, you're staying back. And you're stuck in the place that God wants you to come out of. Now, in the book of Matthew, chapter 18, Jesus told a parable about a man who was forgiven a whole lot. He was forgiven much. And the, the, uh, the, if you do the numbers, you kind of fi find out that this man was forgiven about 100 days wages. All right? That's a lot of money, right? 100 days salary. Well, when he came out of the courtroom where he had been forgiven by, by the magistrate for this extraordinary debt, he uh, found a man who owed him about one hour's worth of wages. And he took him by the neck and he said, if you don't pay me back, I'm going to throw you in the debtor's prison. Right? You get the picture? Now, what does Jesus say? Matthew 18, 34. He said, and his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that he owed him. So the magistrate took the man that was fighting over one, hours of, one hour of wages and he put him in prison. Why did he do that? Because of his unforgiveness. He says he, he threw him in, into prison for the torturers until he could repay what was owed him. And verse 35 says, My heavenly Father will do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from his heart. Now, you wouldn't you rather Jesus left out verse 35? That way you could say, well, that was then. That was a nice story. Jesus said, my Father is going to do the same thing to you if you don't forgive your brother from your heart. How many of you that know that heart forgiveness is different? And so unforgiveness, notice what the verse tells us. First of all, unforgiveness will get you bound. It will bind you. And then it will bring tormentors into your life. That's what unforgiveness does. And so it's a powerful gate the enemy uses to come into the life of a believer. And it's so important then that in order to walk in freedom, we walk in forgiveness. And then in Luke chapter 6, verse 27 through 20, 28, we read, But I say to you here, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who mistreat you. So what does God want from us? The hindrance is unforgiveness. How do we overcome the hindrance? Here's what we do. Number one, we confess our unforgiveness to God. Repent of it. Say, Lord, I've been holding a grudge for 25 years, and I repent. 
And I recognize that it's wrong, it's sinful, and it's holding back your progress in my life. That's the first step that you do. You come in repentance toward God. Then, second thing you do, you release the person who offended you from judgment. You say, you no longer owe me anything. Now, this is most often why people don't forgive. And what I have noticed in talking to people is this. I spoke to a, a, a woman whose, whose husband had uh, cheated on her. and She said, Pastor, if I forgive him, he'll get away with it. So I have to keep this over his head so he won't feel like he got away with it. So that's what unforgiveness does. It makes you feel like you're holding that person captive. But actually, the person being held captive is you. And what you have to do is you have to repent before God, and then you have to release that person to say, Lord, they no longer owe me for what happened or for what they did. And then number three, Jesus says, bless them. <laughs> Lord, Lord, come now, Lord. I can understand letting go, but blessing them? You want me to tell them, raise your hands for the blessing? I don't think so. But here's what God says. He says, if you want to forgive them from your heart, repent, release, and bless. Read it again. Luke 8, 27, 26. But I say to you, love your enemies and do, uh, uh, and do good for those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray. You know when your heart has released them, when you're able to say, I want the best for you. And I'm praying that God will bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you and lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And I'm praying for you. I'm praying for your success. You know, I have seen um, women who were left by their husbands, who, are, um, who have been left with their children without support, and yet they can lift their hands and bless that man, even he, though he did wrong to them. And you know, God brings blessing back on you when you let people go and let him deal with it. And you bless them. And you give them your, um, your honest, best intentions in prayer. Cuando usted perdona a alguien para tener perdón del pecado, lo primero es arrepentirse usted delante de Dios por no haber perdonado y luego desatar a esa persona. Y si ya no me debes nada. Tú no me debes nada. Ahora estás libre. Y luego bendecirlo. Dejarlo con la bendición de Dios. E ese es el patrón que Dios busca para nosotros. I had a man come and sit in my office one day. He had, he had wronged me about 10 years ago. And he came. I forgot about it. But when he came and asked for forgiveness, I didn't know what he was talking about. Because it was so long ago, I had released him. And I had blessed him. But now it was his turn to come and receive the other part of that. And to get the, the forgiveness of God and, and my forgiveness in his life. But you see how, how God can do that in you? That he can make you release somebody and forgive to such an extent that you don't even remember what they did. Now don't, don't sit there trying to remember because the enemy will bring it back. Yeah, you remember. <laughs> Just let it go. You know what Joseph said? 
Joseph was sold by his brothers. I don't think that's, there's probably nothing worse your brothers could do than sell you into slavery. And 13 years later, they come to him begging for bread. And he says to them, the Lord has caused me to forget what you did for me. Obviously, there was some forgiveness that had taken place from his heart toward God. And that then becomes a, a barrier that's been torn down by the Spirit of God in your life so that deliverance can come. Here's the second hindrance to freedom, and that is the human will. You cannot be free unless you want to be free. God's not going to deliver you against your will. And one of the greatest hindrances to people receiving deliverance and freedom in their life is they want to and want and enjoy what they're doing. And because they don't want to let it go, because of their will, they, they say, I want freedom. And, and, you know, they even come to the altar and cry and say, Lord, free me. But at the end of the day, their heart still says, I like this. I want this bondage. And here's the thing. It's very hard to throw out your friends. So if you're friends with darkness, you're friends with demons, it's hard to come home and throw them out. You've got to become enemies with the devil. You've got to treat the devil the way the devil treats you. He has no mercy on you. He's coming to steal, kill, and destroy. And so you've got to have a, a, a hate relationship with the devil and, and have a, a, a hatred towards sin so that you can be free. So if you don't feel like, Pastor, you say, no, I really do, I love sin. Then you need to ask God to make you hate sin. You need to ask God to make that thing that's in your life that's a bondage to you, to make it disgusting to you. To turn your heart against it so that you can be free. Because God will not violate your will. And that's why, Mama, you can come to me and say, Pastor, lay hands on this boy. And I can lay hands on him. And he's going to walk out the same. Because Mama and the pastor cannot violate his will. If God won't do it, I can't do it. If that were the case, I would have violated all of Beville's will and made sure they were in church this week. But I can't do that. Neither can you. You may have raised them. You may have borne them in your, in your body. You may have given them life, but you cannot control them. The only one who can do that is God. And God says he's given the man that opportunity, that choice. So what do you do, Pastor? you got to pray that God will break their will down and bring, him, bring them to repentance. Bring them to the knowledge of the truth, that the light of the truth will come in to their heart. Here's the third hindrance to deliverance is fear. A lot of people don't know or don't want to be uh, free because they're afraid. They're afraid of the process. They're afraid of, of getting to, into the light. And that, that fear causes them to not be able to receive what God has for them. And you know what fear does? Fear robs you of your faith. Fear, fear is the opposite of faith. It takes faith out of your life. Otra de las cosas que detiene la liberación es el temor. Cuando una persona camina en temor, no hay fe en su vida. El resultado es que no 
no persigue, no desea, no va detrás de las cosas que Dios tiene para él. Number four, the final one here is hidden sin is a roadblock to freedom. Say that with me. Hidden sin is a roadblock to freedom. Listen, if you want to be free, you've got to bring it all to God. Here's what the Bible says in the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 11 through 13. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness. Does it get any clearer than that? Look, for the world is looking for permission to sin. God says, do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness. Let me just ask you this. Your sin life, if you can remember it, way back when, if, if that life, it was probably fun, but was it fruitful? Did it bring good things into your life? No. Every work of darkness is unfruitful. The fruit it brings is death. Death to your marriage, death to your relationships, death to your body, death to your mind. That's the fruit of darkness. God says, do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness. Instead, do what? What does the text say? Instead, expose them. This is Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11. Expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things that are done by them in secret. He says, but all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that has everything that became visible is light. Listen, if you want to be free, you have to bring everything into the light. The light heals. The light exposes. While it's in the darkness, it remains. Festering, sickening, destroying, rotting. But until you bring it into the light, the light brings healing. And listen, in John chapter 1, this is what the Lord said. People rejected Jesus because he was the light, and they don't like the light because the light exposes their darkness, and they were in love with the dark. Their deeds were evil, and they loved their deeds. But when you and I come to the house of God, and we sit under the ministry of the word of God. The word of God is light. It exposes the darkness in us so that God can heal it. And you say, but pastor, I don't want, I don't want to bring it out. I'd rather leave it in the past. You need to bring it to light. God, when you expose it, listen to what he does. He turns it into light. He turns that thing that was your bondage into a testimony of God's liberty. Of God's freedom and God's power in your life. So don't participate in the deeds of darkness. Instead, expose them. Put the light on them. What happens? You shame the devil when you do that. I heard about a, a preacher who was, he was sitting in an airplane. And uh, a woman came on the airplane that, that was sitting right next to him. And she was kind of. She's trying to be seductive. <laughs> and he said, he stood up and he said, these are the works of darkness, woman. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> he 
He said, I shamed the devil. I don't know if you have to go to that extreme, but you know, if you have to, you have to. Right, what did Joseph do when he was tempted? He ran. Shame the devil. Because if you don't, he's going to shame you. Expose him so that he doesn't have a foothold in your life to come in and bring destruction. When you bring it into the light, God can heal it because his presence is light. I want to close with this because I want you to keep what you have. I want you to keep your freedom tonight. How do I keep my freedom? Real quickly here. Number one, yield completely to the lordship of Jesus Christ. ¿Cómo voy a yo conseguir y retener mi libertad cuando yo me someto enteramente al señorío del Señor Jesucristo? If Jesus is Lord, you can keep your freedom. The second thing you need to do is be filled with the Holy Spirit. The book of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Listen to what it says. It says, do not get drunk with wine. For that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. You want to walk in freedom? Get full of the Spirit of God. Walk full of the Spirit of God. Let His presence fill your life. And when you do that, you're going to find that He is liberty. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Number three, live by the Word of God. Let your decisions be made by the light of the word of God. Live by the text of the word of God. And it will lead you into the truth. It will lead you into freedom. Yield to the lordship of Jesus. Be full of the spirit. Live by his word. And live in the light of, live in the fellowship of the children of light. Number four, live in the fellowship of God's people. If you get separated from the fellowship of God's people, you're going to subject yourself to bondage. Listen, if your fellowship is with people who are lost, what can they tell you for how to be lost? Doesn't mean you don't ever talk to them, you don't ever associate with them, but that just means that you don't get your life-giving information. You don't get, you don't get truth from them because their truth is a lie. You walk by the Spirit, walk by the Word of God, and you walk in the fellowship of the children of light because you know what brothers and sisters do when they're together? They tell on each other. Don't you hate that? But when you're with your brothers and sisters, they'll tell you, hey, you need to change that. It might offend you for a little while, but because they love you, you know that it's going to help you grow. They say, hey, where were you last week? You weren't at church. Well, you know, I was at the carnival. What do you mean you were at the carnival? Well, don't be my judge. I'm not judging you. I'm just telling you there's nothing at the carnival. And you walk away thinking, I don't know, they have something against the carnival. This is religious. But then you realize, okay, you know what? They love me. I better, I better get to church. That's what you do. That's how family works. But when you get yourself isolated, you get yourself with people who don't know how to walk in light, then all they can give you is darkness. All they can give you is bondage. Would you stand with me tonight? Listen to what the word says. I want you to say it out loud with me. It was for freedom that Christ has set me free.
no longer to be subject to the yoke of bondage. Now, if you believe that tonight, for just a couple more minutes, would you just lift your hands and celebrate your freedom in Christ? The blood of Jesus has made you free. And the Holy Spirit wants to ensure your daily walk of freedom and liberty. And tonight, if there's any area of your life where there is a bondage, where you can begin to sense the enemy is gaining a foothold, just repent of it. Expose him to the, ki to the king of kings. Let the Lord shed his light on that place. If you feel like fear is starting to come in and, and it's starting to steal your faith, just expose that to the Lord. Let him come with his light and bring liberty tonight. Father, in the name of Jesus, as your children, we lay claim to the promises of God. We lay claim to the freedom which was purchased by Jesus Christ on the cross. Tonight, we know that there are ways that the enemy seeks to bring bondage into our life. And we say we will not be bound because we are children of freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So tonight, we invite the Spirit of God to bring freedom into every nook and cranny of our life. We invite the, the shed blood of Jesus to be applied to our hearts and break every fetter and every chain and every yoke, every lie that has defined us. We resist it now in the name of Jesus. We speak to those sinful practices that we have once allowed in our life. And we reject them now in the name of Jesus. Almighty God, I pray right now that every demonic influence that has been whispering lies in the hearts of your people will be exposed for the lie that it is in the name of Jesus. We speak liberty to captives, recovery of sight to the blind. We speak right now freedom in Jesus' name. For sick bodies. Right now, freedom from infirmity in the name of Jesus. You will no longer be sick, but you are well because the blood of Jesus has made you free. We receive that freedom now in Jesus' name. Almighty oh, God. Father, we speak to those enemies of the church who did not come because of an open door but have come because of a strategy against the church. We speak to them now in the name of Jesus. Loose God's people and let them go. Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. And freedom belongs to the household of faith.